If you take God's precious word and turn to 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, Lord willing, we'll finish 1 John this week and get into 2 John, and I'm contemplating teaching 2 and 3 John at the same time. I'm not sure yet, but I may teach it at the same time. I've never taught two books at the same time, but hey, why not? So uh, we'll see, but as I'm reading them, uh, they just overlap so well together. So I, I may, I may do it. So just pray God will give me wisdom in that. Now, last week, John taught us about praying in the will of God. Let me ask you a question. Have y'all ever heard in in the First John here the term "sin unto death"? Raise your hand. Sin unto death. How many of y'all have ever read that and wondered what in the world is John talking about? Raise your hand. All right. If you haven't, now I need to hang out with you. Okay. I mean, if you said, oh, yeah, that's the sin of the death. We all know about that. Yeah, uh, I've, I've talked to so many people about this. What is the sin of the death? And it's caused a lot of questions uh, over the years. And, and I, I don't just mean over the years of our lives. I'm talking about over the centuries of how theologians have debated on what the sin and the death is. So that's the thing about teaching verse by verse, Brother Doug. You can't skip over verses like that. You've got to deal with them. You've got to deal with them. And if they're in the Bible, they're good for us to know. So we want to go over every verse in that Bible. But last week, John taught us about praying in the will of God. And the confidence that our prayers will be answered by us getting in on the work of God... And us praying in the will of God and accomplishing that work. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. And as we do the work of Christ, we can confidently pray in the will of Christ. John said, look in verse 14 where we were last week. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Take your pen in verse 14, underscore the word ask, ask. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we, underscore the word ask again, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So as we're getting in on the work of God, And we're praying in the will of God. John said, verse 16, If any man see his brother's sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall, there's that word again, ask. Ah, wow. You see then how John is not coming in to verse uh, 16 here blindly. He's not, he's not, stopping in verse 15 and now saying, oh, by the way, I just remembered. If any of y'all happen to see a brother sin, a sin which is under death, which is not under death, he didn't start a new subject here. He's walking into verse 16, you see? Here in, uh, again, in verse uh, 14, he's talking about us asking for something in God's will. In verse 15, we know we have that confidence. If we ask something according to God's will, we know he hears us. Then we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desired of him or whatever we asked him. And so now in verse 16, he's simply stepping into verse 16. 
walking into it. What does that tell us about verse 16? It means verse 16 has to be interpreted in light of the previous verses. You see? So this is a complicated passage of scripture. We don't deny that. Because John didn't define what the sin and the death is. He didn't say if any man, if you see any man which sins a sin which is not unto death. And by the way, let me explain to you what I mean by a sin which is not unto death. He didn't explain himself. So again, John did not define the sin unto death. He said, if any man see his brother's sin, a sin which is not unto death, it's a complicated passage because there is no definition. So when people read this, they immediately ask the question, what is a sin unto death? And he says, if any man see his brother's sin, a sin unto death, does the term brother here, does it mean brother in a spiritual sense? Or does it mean brother in a national sense or a familial or Adamic sense? What does it mean? Because if you believe a brother here is, is, uh, is spiritual or physical or whatever, however you believe a brother is, it's going to greatly affect how you interpret this passage. Furthermore, we have to determine, is John talking about physical death or is John talking about spiritual death? In the book of James, for example, it's talking about physical death. We're told that if we confess, we should confess our sins one to another and pray for another that we may be healed and that the prayer of faith will save the sick. Is that what John's talking about here? Well, John did not tell us if any man sees his brother sick. He shall ask. He says if any man sees his brother sin a sin which is not unto death. So Perhaps the sin that John is talking about here, could it be the, 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 the sin that Moses committed in the wilderness? When Moses sinned in the desert, remember when he struck the rock twice? Uh, his sin caused him to physically die. Not spiritually, but he physically died. Uh, what is John talking about here? Well, let's think through this prayerfully for a moment. Some Bible teachers believe that a sin unto death is when a Christian habitually lives in sin. And then God chastises that Christian by taking his life. But John did not say if any man sees his brother committing habitual sins. John said if any man see his brother sin a sin. You see that in the scripture? Not a bunch of sins, but a sin. A particular singular sin that is not unto death. So I don't believe John is talking about seeing our brother commit numerous sins over a course of time here. All right, then, so that brings us back to Moses. Moses, by striking the rock twice... That was a particular sin which was unto death, right? Moses did not live habitually in sin, thank God. But he did commit a single significant sin in the desert when he struck the rock twice and God took his life on account of that. Moses' sin was definitely a sin unto death. But the problem with that interpretation is nobody knew that Moses was going to die on the count of the sin he committed when he committed it. No one said, hop, hop, he struck it twice. Once was okay, but that's a sin unto death. We're not going to pray for you, Moses. It's not what happened, is it? 
In fact, Moses, when I read the the passage, it seemed like he might have been a little surprised when God told him he was going to die and not go to the promised land. Because Moses, remember, said, oh, God, no, please let me go to the promised land. And God said, no, I made my mind up about this. Don't talk to me anymore about it. So if that is the type of sin unto death that John is talking about here, then how would we know? When if if a particular sin that I saw uh, my brother commit, for example, if you saw your brother commit, how would we know if a particular sin was unto death or not? When we saw our brother committing it, we wouldn't know. We wouldn't have any idea. Because it's clear from the passage that John expects us to recognize that the sin either is or is not unto death when we see our brother committing it. For this reason, most Christians are unsure of what this passage means. One Bible scholar, in fact, has said that it is impossible to be sure of what John means here. And I tell you, I told my wife, I read that Bible scholar, I told my wife, I said, I don't believe that. I just don't believe God would give us a scripture and say, shh, we're not going to tell them what it means. Ever. I just don't believe it. Because we have no way to obey it, no way to apply it. And while there are many opinions about what John is referring to here, I do believe by the grace of God that the answer is found in the chapter itself. I don't think you have to go searching far for it. It's true that John does not define what the sin and the death is. But when I was studying for this passage, I searched many scriptures throughout the Bible. Trying to find what the sin and the death was. And I had great difficulty trying to resolve the meaning of this passage by doing that. I may have always had opinions and things like that. But I wanted to be able to teach with certainty. And God by his marvelous grace led me to what I believe is the truth. About what John is telling us. I believe the answer is in the context of the passage. Let me explain what I mean. Instead of us spending our time trying to discover what the verse is talking about, I believe we need to remember what the chapter is talking about. Instead of spending so much time and energy trying to figure out what brings death, I believe we simply need to remember what brings life. (laughs) Look with me in verse 11. And this is the record. That God, say it with me, hath given unto us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. The Son is the life of God. Look with me now in verse 12 leading up to this passage. Say it with me. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Or you could say. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath death. Look with me in verse 13 please. First John 5.13. 13. 
Say it with me. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. So instead of knowing about the death John is talking about, we need only know what the life is that John is talking about. And that life is God's Son, Jesus Christ. Whoever receives the Son, receives the life. And whoever rejects the Son, receives the death. And because of this, John tells us about the importance of our prayers. And he says in verse 16, after saying... You can pray in the will of God and you can have the confidence that if you're praying anything in God's will, that he hears us. And if we know he hears us, then we have the petitions that we asked him. Verse 16, and if any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. In the gospel of John, Jesus said the son of man came to give Life. Life. So we shall ask, and he shall give him life to anyone that does not sin unto death. This shows us why do we come together on Wednesday nights, and we pray for the salvation of particular people. Why? Because our prayers play a vital role in the conversion of lost souls. They do. He says, if any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life. What life? The life that he's been talking about in the previous passages that we just read together. Eternal life, everlasting life, the Son of God who is life. If he's not sinning a sin which is unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. All manner... Of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men. But he that rejects the record the Holy Spirit has given us concerning Jesus Christ. Shall die in their sins. That is a sin unto death. Which no man can recover from. For he that hath not the Son of God has not life. There is no way that I can pray that God will spare the life Of a person in his unbelief. I can pray that that person will repent. And come to faith in Jesus. But I cannot pray that God will have mercy. On an unbeliever's soul. I believe the term brother here. Is being used in a national sense in this context. As the same Greek word is used in the book of Acts chapter 2. Where the apostle Peter stood and preached the gospel to a bunch of unbelievers. And he said unto them, men and brethren, let me speak freely unto you. And then he told them the gospel in Acts 2.29. And then after those unbelievers heard the gospel, the Bible says those lost men, quote, were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? 
So you see how they're calling each other brethren. Yes, we're men, but we're also brethren in the national sense here because he's speaking to all that dwell at Jerusalem. Now, every person in this world is born in unbelief. Nobody is born believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. How can they call on him in whom they have not heard, right? Or believed. And how can they believe in him in whom they have not heard? Everybody is born in unbelief. And some reject the gospel for a time, but later they accept it. Thank God. So the sin and the death here cannot be simple unbelief. Okay? Because everybody's born an unbeliever. So I believe the sin and the death that John is referring to here is the sin of apostasy. The sin where a person is enlightened to the truth of Christ. And they profess faith in Christ. But later they intentionally reject the faith that they once proclaimed. And I believe 2nd and 3rd John will bear that out because John writes with the same concept in mind in those two brief letters. So it's someone who is enlightened to the truth of Christ. They profess faith in Christ, but they don't actually believe on Christ. They profess Him for a time, like in the parable of the sower, where the, it, the, the plant sprouts up and later it dies. It has no root in the ground. And so they intentionally later reject the faith that they once proclaimed. And in that situation, John said, look back in your text, there is a sin and a death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. I'm saying, don't pray for that sin. I'm not telling you to pray for that sin. And why should we not pray for that sin? Because the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 4 through 6, tells us that, quote, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance. Jeremiah chapter 7. The people of Judah were like the people in Hebrews, were like the people in 1 John 5 that John's referring to here. They had been enlightened to the one true God. They had the word of God. They had the law. (laughs) They had Moses and the prophets. The people of Judah, even though they've been enlightened to the one true God, they had rejected the one true God. They had taken their knowledge of him and intentionally turned away and had turned into false gods. What did God do? He declared that he was going to cast out the people of Jerusalem for abandoning him and turning to idols. Jeremiah 7, God said, Therefore, he told Jeremiah in verse 16, Listen closely, Therefore, pray Not thou for this people. What's he saying? God's saying there is a sin unto death. And I'm not saying that you should pray for them. Don't pray for them. Don't pray for them. He says pray not thou for this people. Neither lift up cry nor prayer for them. Neither make intercession to me. For I will not hear thee. What does the Bible say? If any man 
prays in, the, in, in God's will, if he asks God anything according to his will, then he hears us. And if we know he hears us, then we know that we had the petition that we desired of him. And here God says, they turn to idols. Don't pray for them. Don't make intercession for them. I won't hear you. Oh, God would hear him. He would know what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not, <laughs> nope, done. Made up my mind. He said, for I will not hear thee. Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? Seest thou not what they do? If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall pray for him. In other words, any sin... Brother Doug had his sweet mama while he was out in a motorcycle gang. And I'm sure he's probably one of the worst in the bunch. <laughs> I got to pick on Brother Doug. And I, but I'm sure he's committing a lot of sins while he's living that lifestyle. But it wasn't a sin unto death. And his sweet mama prayed and prayed and prayed. You know what God did? He gave him life. But you know what? There have been in the recent past some people who've risen really high in Christendom, become extremely popular preachers or singers. And after teaching people and singing gospel messages and things like that, they then step out of the closet and say, I'm no longer a Christian, I don't believe. And having been enlightened to the truth in such a marvelous way. And then turning their back on that truth and walking away. If that's what they've truly done, they'll never turn back. It's impossible to renew them again into repentance. Saying they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh and put them to an open shame. We taught what that meant when we went through the book of Hebrews. But God says to Jeremiah, Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood and the fathers kindle the fire and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. They, having known the one true God, turned to false gods. And God told Jeremiah, their doom has come. Don't pray for them. While someone is living in sin and unbelief, there is always hope that they might turn to God and live. But those who've come to know the truth of Christ, and then intentionally reject Him as their Savior, and return to the idols of their unbelief, there is no hope for them. Make no mistake, John said, verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death, thank God. All unrighteousness is sin. Everything that comes short of God's perfect standard is sin, and we all come short of that standard every day. All unrighteousness is sin, and we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and every one of our sins would have been unto death, but this is the record. 
that God has given unto us eternal life. And this life is in His Son who died for those sins. All unrighteousness is sin, John says. But Jesus Christ is the one whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, Romans 3.25. So all unrighteousness is sin, but there is, thank God, a sin not unto death because Jesus has given us everlasting life. Taking that sin upon himself. But apart from Jesus Christ. There is no life. So to sin against the son. By rejecting the record that God's spirit has given us about him. Is to sin away your life. It's to intentionally. Take the only sacrifice that God's provided. And decline it. And then there remains no more sacrifice for sin. But a certain fearful looking for of death. And a fire of judgment. Which shall devour. God's adversaries. To sin against the glorious record that God gave of his son. Is to reject eternal life. That life that John was talking about here. Right prior to this passage. And it's to sin unto your eternal death. But if you have accepted Christ as your savior. You need not fear sinning unto death. By rejecting him in the future. Don't think oh well, well I, I, I trust Christ as my savior. But I hope I don't do, walk away from him in the future. If you truly believe on Christ as your savior. If you have come to the knowledge that God's record is true. And that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by him. Then you will not need fear rejecting him in the future. For John said, verse 18, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Whoever is born of God by believing the record he gave of his son. Does not commit a sin unto death. Because he, having Jesus... Has eternal life. Christians do not abandon their faith in Jesus Christ. Look in their text. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. You see? John's now, after telling us about this sin and the death. One that should not even be prayed for. Because apart from Christ there is no hope. We can pray that someone will come to Christ. We can pray that someone will will, will leave their unbelief and come to faith in Jesus. But those who intentionally reject Christ, there is no mercy that God can give outside of the cross. So those who reject the cross, no prayer can help them. But after giving us that dire warning, those grim words... He assures us all unrighteousness is sin, but there is a sin that's not unto death. And and, and, and he that is born of God, he doesn't sin. He keeps himself. A true believer in Christ, they keep themselves in the faith of Jesus Christ as those Jews kept themselves behind the blood in their houses on Passover night. They keep themselves, look back in your text, and that wicked one toucheth them not. 
a true believer in Christ, they remain behind the blood. They remain at the cross where Jesus died. That's where their faith is at. And they keep themselves from idols. They keep themselves at the cross by the power of God through faith. And that wicked one touches them not. That wicked one wants to destroy the people of God. Believe me, if the devil could, he'd take every one of us to hell. The wicked wants to destroy the people of God. But those who are led to Christ by the Holy Spirit shall not be led to death by the unholy spirit. That even sound better. Those who are led to life by the Holy Spirit shall never be led to death by the unholy spirit. Boy, that's got a ring to it, doesn't it, Brother Doug? That's a good truth standing on right there. Why? Because they've been born of God and that wicked one touches them not. Peter was a believer in Jesus Christ. To whom shall we go, Lord? Nobody but you. Peter was born of God. Listen to what Jesus told Peter before Peter denied Jesus three times. In Luke 22, 31 through 32. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Peter would keep himself by the power of God, Jesus' prayer, through faith. That's what Peter says. We are kept by the power of God through faith. And so he says, Satan has desired you that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith will not fail. Child of God, the wicked one desires to sift you like wheat. And you may go through the sifter. I've been through the sifter. Boy, have I been through the sifter. And you may go through the sifter. But Jesus has prayed for his saints that their faith fail not. Jesus was telling Peter, you're going to go through a tough spiritual battle, Peter. You're going to sin against me. You're going to fall hard. You know what the Bible says? The righteous fall down seven times, they get back up again. So you're going to sin against me. You're going to fall hard. But I prayed for you, Peter. And then he said this. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Boom. Look at that. From that we learn that hard battles strengthen brothers. Hard battles strengthen brothers. You are going to be sifted like wheat. But I prayed for you, and when you go through the fire, you've come out with all the bumps and bruises. Strengthen your brethren. (laughs) You see, we get sifted, but we don't sin unto death. For in Jesus Christ, the wicked one touches us not. Verse 19, and we know that we are of God. And the whole world Lies in wickedness. The whole unbelieving world right now. It lies under the power of that wicked one. That John is telling us about. 
The wicked one touches him not. He that is begotten of God. Those who are born again through faith in Jesus Christ. That wicked one cannot touch them. In the sense of causing them. To be taken out of the hand of the father and the son. He cannot touch them in the sense. Of bringing them to ultimate damnation. Through unbelief. The rest of the unbelieving world. Those who have not been born again. They're lying under the power of the wicked one. They are swayed by his lies. They are caged and imprisoned by falsehood. And they are damned by their unbelief in Jesus Christ. But by believing the record God gave of his son. We know that we are of God. And that wicked one touches us not. That is confidence folks. I have the record that God gave of His Son in my heart. My conscience tells me that what God said in His Word about Jesus Christ and the propitiation He provided on the cross is truth. And I have come to accept that truth and to depend on that record for the salvation of my soul. And by believing the record God gave of His Son, I know, and you know if you believe that record, that we are of God, because only those who believe the record are of God, and all those who do believe are. And we know that wicked one touches us not. We're safe forever. We have been delivered from the devil's lies. We have received the witness of the Holy Spirit, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God is come. This is describing a believer. We know the Son of God has come. The unbelieving world does not know the Son of God has come. They've heard it, they don't believe it. Or they've never heard it to believe it. But we know the Son of God has come. We know that He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. If they will only believe on Him. So if we see our fellow man sin A sin that is not unto death. We can pray for that man. Who is seeking the truth. And God shall give him eternal life. I've had people call me on the phone. Seeking to understand the gospel. Seeking to have a relationship with God. And while I was on the phone with them. I have prayed for the salvation of their souls with absolute assurance that they will be saved. And God gave them life, just like he promised right here. I mean absolute assurance. I mean praying in faith. Why? Because I knew that the only thing that could cause a dead soul in their unbelief to be stirred and to seek truth The only reason they were seeking truth is because Jesus was seeking them. That's it. And I knew he that began that good work and then would be faithful to complete it. I'm on the phone with them. And I pray God give them the understanding. Bring them to faith in your son. And while I'm praying, I'm praying with this absolute assurance. That I'm asking something according to his will and he hears me. If I know he hears me, I know I have the desires that I've asked of him. And then I've 
Watch them write me back a day or two or a few weeks later or whenever. And say, I believe. I believe. And then they have the record. Therefore, they have the assurance. And they know that they are of God. And the Son of God has come and given them an understanding. Let's look back in the text. We know that the Son of God has come. And hath given us an understanding. Oh, thank God for that understanding. Thank God that our eyes have opened to the truth of the gospel. That we can reject the lies of this wicked world. and The wicked one that's over it. He has given us an understanding. We may know that our sins have been atoned for by the blood of Jesus. By the Holy Spirit, he's removed that veil that once covered our eyes, that, that sin had placed over our eyes. And he's given us an understanding, look in your text, that we may know him that is true. So having believed the record of God, we know him that is true. We know him that is true, look back in your text, and we are in him that is true. Even in his son. Jesus Christ, as Noah was in the ark. So we are in Jesus Christ and, look back in your text, this is the true God and eternal life. There's that word life again. So verse 16 is sandwiched, or or, or the, the text here about sinning unto death and God giving life and all these things. This verse is sandwiched. About the sin and the death in between the eternal life of Christ and the eternal life of Christ. It's preceded and it's ended. Showing us what life John is talking about. Therefore we know what death John is talking about. Therefore we know what sin John is talking about. This is the true God and eternal life. Since we have eternal life, we are no longer in jeopardy of eternal death. He is the true God, not Baal, not Buddha, not atheism. But Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life in Him alone. Therefore, John said, verse 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. What was the fall Of the people of Jerusalem. Why did God tell Jeremiah. Don't pray for them. Because they did not keep themselves from idols. For if you turn from your profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And you forever return to the idols of your unbelief. Then you have committed a sin and a death. Which no prayer can save you from. But we church. Praise God. Praise God have been given an understanding from on high. We shall never turn to idols. For we confess that we have discovered the one true God. And eternal life. In Jesus Christ. Indeed. To the record of Jesus Christ. All the saints say. Look back in your text. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. It just flows together. Flows together. Severe warnings that should make any person tremble. That would depart from the living God to unbelief. But such secure promises to all 
who've come to believe on him. Wow. Thank you, Lord.